Hello, friends. Welcome to a brand new episode of I Love Wellness. I am your host, Lo Bosworth, and I have a glorious guest on today's show. I'm so excited. So please welcome Katie Parla. She is a Rome-based cookbook author, and we're so excited to have her on the show. Ciao, Lo. Thanks for having me. Ciao! Oh, so chic. Hi. And per usual, I'm my own studio audience. Katie's... We have many people today. Um, thanks so much for coming on to the show. I love your cookbook. Thank it's you. called Food of the Italian South, and it is absolutely epically beautiful. Thank you. So and I much. love this tagline: recipes for classic disappearing and lost dishes. What do you mean by lost dishes? Well, Italy, like every place has a cuisine that's constantly evolving mm-hmm. and as people move or as the way that people buy food changes, some dishes get eliminated because sometimes they're too time consuming. Mm. Sometimes they're linked to a holiday that people don't celebrate with the same gusto. Um, and so the book brings together some of the things that you might classically associate with South Italy, like spaghetti with tomato sauce. And then some things that maybe people living in the South 50 years ago would have considered their classics, oh but my God, no I longer. Love that. So tell me your favorite lost dish. I love these bean dishes. I love a bean dish. I get down with bean dishes. And when I cook beans, you know, I generally don't want to spend four to six days preparing the dish. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) So uh, many of the recipes like crappiata are modified Mm -hmm. to change these sort of epic like August feast meals into Mm -hmm. something that you would actually want to make every day. I love that. So rather than simmering each bean and grain individually, sort of throw them all in a pot, let Mm -hmm. everything simmer, let the flavors marry. So these lost dishes tend to be your sort of modern reinterpretations of what you've discovered from your time in Italy. Yeah, I think a lot of the lost dishes are lost because women who still do, you know, almost all of the cooking Mm -hmm. in Italy now have to have really full lives and work. So doing those days long preparations is just not feasible. So these dishes are lost as a result and modifying them without losing the flavor the origins is really the goal of the book i love that i can't wait to get into it truly you guys check it out it's so beautiful um so that our listeners have a little bit of context you're an american but you live in italy most of the time or do you spend half of the year in los angeles sort of tell me about your schedule so i am a full-time italy resident Whoa. however when i have books coming out mm-hmm. i come back to america and i tour them around yeah um, i also am very obsessed with los angeles mm-hmm. so when i have holidays or when i want to spend time um, with my boyfriend who lives here <laughs> i come out and visit and okay, awesome. uh, yeah but i would say you know italy has been my base for over a decade and a half wow that is so special and what prompted the move for you I was an Italian-American from New Jersey who thought I understood my culture. And then I went to Italy and realized I did not understand anything about that country. And I wanted to learn more. So that drove studying art history and Mm -hmm. studying Italian and then ultimately moving there in 2003. Wow, that's so remarkable. So did like the first time you went kind of turn into an extended vacation or sort of tell me about the period of time from when you first started to go until you kind of realized, oh my God, I want to be here permanently. Well, Because that's a huge transition. Even if you're an Italian-American, moving to Europe or anywhere else in the world is is huge. And the same thing goes for people that come to America. It just is completely life changing. So what, what was it inside of you that sort of like changed your compass, um, East? Well, I had the benefit of youth. Mm -hmm. I was 16 when I visited Italy for the first time and it was during a school trip. And when I went home, I was like, that's it guys. I'm moving to Italy, told my parents (laughs) and it didn't seem like there were any obstacles to that (laughs) at the time. And I also didn't know what moving to Italy would 
be like or would mean, Mm -hmm. but it seemed like a great idea. So, you know, as a sophomore in high school, I started studying Italian and with this like drive that when I grew up, I was going to move to Italy. I went to college first and then after graduating, I moved. It wasn't as easy as I imagined, but I made it happen. (laughs) So it was on your mind for a really long time. It's really interesting. You know, you develop these goals in childhood and very few people actually realize them. And so I think it's really admirable that you found something that you were really passionate about and followed through on it. I mean, especially taking you to a whole other country with a whole new language and a whole new culture and food and everything that goes into it. Um, so when you moved, did you, are you in Rome primarily? Yes. Okay. And your boyfriend lives in LA though. Yeah. And so how do you manage that? Lots of FaceTiming. He comes to visit. I go I come here to Los Angeles to visit him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we have like, we've got food in common. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's obviously very challenging to be 10,000 kilometers apart, yeah. but I have a delicious pizza or a really great piece of fruit mm-hmm. in the market and snap him a pic and send it. And he does the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, I think a really fun way to connect when you know, so many hours and so much distance separates yeah. you. So how often do you guys see each other? I mean, pretty frequently. Like um, twice a month? Yeah, twice a month is... That's awesome. Yeah, pretty, pretty average. <laughs> LA to Rome is a long-ass haul. It sucks. It's so bad. Is that like a 16-hour flight? It's a mere 13. A mere 13-hour flight. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I think that that's really incredible. And do either of you have plans to move soon, or this is just kind of how it is? I mean, it's difficult because I have built my career around Italy. So in a lot of ways I'm bound to Rome in in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's important also to open yourself to different life changes and figure out how things could work. I mean, I planned to move to Italy when I was a sophomore in high school, like Mm -hmm. never had a plan B. So kind of just went with that. This is it. And yeah, sometimes, uh, plans get disrupted by other, other life events. So we're going to see what happens in Los Angeles. (laughs) I love that. Um, So, I mean, if you could, though, would you stay in Italy for the rest of your life? I mean, I think Italy is such an interesting place, and I'm attracted to it because there are so many cultures. I mean, you've been to Capri. Mm -hmm. I know that you're headed to um, Sicily. So you've got all of these different, really, realities Mm -hmm. in every single part of even the Sicilian island is so varied. So I think I'll always be there in some way because... I haven't figured it all out yet. It's too dense of a place. It's a small country in the grand scheme of things, but yeah. it's also like so complex. So. There's more to discover is what Absolutely. you're saying. I love that. So do the locals think you're a local now that you've been there long enough? It's It depends. Do you on pass the, as a local? I do. Um, as long as I don't go outside with wet hair, which immediately signals that you are a foreign person who is not aware of like all the terrible health effects that come with wet hair in the outdoors. What this do you is mean? A, Italians don't go outside with wet hair because they think um, a draft will like strike your hair and then a draft will strike your neck and you will become very, very ill. Oh, really? Oh, yes. That's Serious. Serious illnesses. I wear my reported. hair wet to work every day to love the level on the office. I'm like, hey guys, my hair's wet again. <laughs> no, I learned like day two, like if you don't want to be shamed publicly by many, many, many people in like the course of a morning walk, like dry your hair before you go outside. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Okay. But apart from the wet hair thing, you pass as a local, you speak perfect Italian, I assume. Yeah. I speak with a Roman accent in particular. Mm -hmm. So when you visit Italy, you might, you know, understand that people around you are speaking Italian, but a lot of them have either like super dense accents. Mm -hmm. um, They sound like they're from Milan or from Naples. um, And I definitely sound like, someone from Rome who may not have had like the most 
uh, balanced education. I learned Italian when I moved to Italy from mm. like some pretty unintelligent people. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know they were stupid when I met them, <laughs> but my first boyfriend certainly was very dumb. Um, so yeah, like that was, that, that had a lasting impact. So while I am theoretically a smart person, sure. I speak with a Roman accent and I sound like a kind of illiterate ta- cat cab driver in his 80s (laughs) but are you sort of able to get outside of yourself and understand that because with language it's so complex you know it's it's really hard unless you're a true native speaker to understand you know like the different dialects the different um you know inflections and the accents i can't believe that you've lived there long enough to actually be able to pick up on the accents from the different places because in america i'm like oh you're from the midwest oh you're from boston oh you're from wherever but i have to imagine it's really difficult in a different country yeah, I mean, I live in the capital, so there are lots and lots of people from all over yeah. Italy. And although everyone in Rome will tell you that they're like a real live Roman and have been there generations, really, like they're from Calabria, they're from Abruzzo and other places. And mm. I, through travel as well as living in neighborhoods that have, you know, people from different parts of Italy, have definitely picked up on the different accents. Now, I can't understand Neapolitan, but no Roman can. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Um, So tell me about your day-to-day life there. You know, when you first moved to Italy, are you like, oh, okay, I love food and I want my career to be in this space? So tell me about that that growth process for you and how you, how did you get to where you are today? Well, I didn't know that you could work in food outside of hotels and Mm -hmm. hospitality and restaurants. So when I moved there, I figured I was going to use my art history degree from college and Mm -hmm. maybe do my master's and use my first year or two to perfect my Italian so I could go to Italian university. Yeah. But I was very quickly distracted by food and wine. It's Um, hard to not get distracted (laughs) there by food and wine. (laughs) And yeah, like it was another one of these topics. Like I can never know every wine. I can never know every food. So Mm -hmm. let me start studying in some sort of like organized way. So I did my sommelier certification um, in the first year that I was in Rome and then saw like randomly saw an ad for a master's degree in Italian gastronomic culture, which I acknowledge sounds like a made up discipline. Mm -hmm. But is very real. No, it does not. <laughs> to me, to, to me, it does not sound made up. Um, and so, yeah, like pretty early in my time, I figured out there could be a career in food and specifically food writing. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't passionate about writing, but I knew that I had something to say and that because I was traveling so much and I had so much access by being fluent, I could talk to chefs and bakers and gelato makers and, you know, get the lowdown on what they were up to. And then write about that. So mm-hmm. I didn't need to be good at writing at first. Sure. I just needed to be good at like getting access to people and telling their stories. I love that. And for what publications did you write for? Did you write for American publications as like, I'm an American living in Rome? Um, or did you write for Italian publications in your <laughs> Roman Italian? <laughs> I, uh, I did write for some Italian um, online food sites. Yeah. But, um, you know, I got my first byline in the New York times in 2009 and that like sort of paved the way for other magazines and newspapers. So, and now I would say the bulk of my writing is for, you know, British Australian, but mainly American publications. What was that feeling like when you got that first New York times article? Holy shit. Yeah. It was crazy because I, you know, when you feel like you're a fraud, like no one knows that I don't know how to write like a proper pitch. And I don't even think I structured my um, idea about this <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, story very well, but like they're letting me do it. Mm-hmm. Someone's eventually going to find out that I don't understand journalism. Um, and that, but it also gave me like the confidence 
to write to other editors and say, you know, mm. I have this idea about a story about artichokes or um, there's this new museum that's opening and there's yeah. a food link. So, yeah, it was it was a lot about like, you know, faking it <laughs> at first and um, eventually convincing people that, you know, I was at least marginally competent in writing. Well, I think, I think you're more than marginally competent in, <laughs> in writing. Um, that's so interesting. So um, something that we do on the show and this sort of leads me to, I think, where I want to take the conversation, which is about sort of like your lifestyle as somebody who lives in Italy versus, I think, sort of the lifestyles of women who live in the United States. I'm really interested to sort of hear your take on that. Um, I'd like to start the conversation by getting into something that we call um, secret wellness. So it's basically it's like everybody that comes on the show, I force them uh, to tell me what their secret wellness routine is. And for people, it could be like, okay. You know, I love having pizza one night a week and like that makes me feel really good. Or it's, you know, I do go back to the Charlotte on Sex in the City example where she like has to look at her porch for one hour in the mirror every night just to feel good. So I'm curious, Katie, what your secret wellness thing is. So my secret wellness thing is maybe like a little circuitous, but I learned <laughs> to have a uniform and you have so much more time in your life when you only wear like black jeans, black vans, and white t-shirts. Wow. So it, it's earned me like more time at the gym, more time biking around Rome, more time shopping for produce. It It is literally like given me hour, extra hours every week. I'm with Steve Jobs right now, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I feel like I kind of like cracked the code, but also Steve Jobs did it way before me. <laughs> That's really interesting. And how did you develop that? Did you decide, okay, I'm going to just dress like this every day in an effort to save myself time sort of what was the like where did this idea come from so I think when I started to become you know more successful and I wanted to have nicer clothes mm -hmm. I would go and you know purchase beautiful things and then have to wash them in Rome's calcium rich water and mm. that destroys every fabric okay. so <laughs> it was a practical thing like I shouldn't be you know, I can have my nice clothes and I can have those dry cleaned mm -hmm. or my everyday gear when I'm like out talking to chefs or in kitchens right. it needs to be something that's like way more practical. And maybe I just get the same outfit and wear it all the time. Okay. And then it was an accidental discovery that has, you know, paid huge dividends time-wise. I love that. I've actually read that some of the most successful people sort of follow that um, theory. You know, like I'm just going to wear these things every day and this is who I am and this is my signature look. And I, I love that. I think it takes a lot of pressure off you. Definitely. I mean, I also eat a lot of pizza every day and I constantly stain my clothes. So, it, you know, it's <laughs> so easier to throw to out a, jeans and a, t -shirt. a $30 shirt than it is to yeah. chug out something fancy. That makes sense. Um, I love that. That's the first time we've heard that on the show have a uniform. I think that's a great idea. I actually grew up wishing to a certain degree that my school had had uniforms. I went to public school my whole life. Um, and obviously a dress code of that nature was never implemented. But I thought often like, God, wouldn't it be great if I just could get out of bed and know, know what the fuck I'm doing every day? Totally. <laughs> It'd be a gift. If I could go back in time, I would do I would do it over again. I would not go to private school though. I loved my public school education. Same. You know, I grew up in Laguna, I went to UCLA. It was great. Um so I'd love to hear more about your life in Rome and specifically uh talk to you about wellness because in the United States, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, there has been a paradigm shift and we are experiencing a wellness craze from every angle about every topic. I mean, I literally just told you that pizza is wellness. Um, 
So I guess I'm curious what is going on in Italy and what's your sort of like day-to-day experience there with that culture in regards to wellness, health, being fit, your body, your mind. Yeah, I would say that in Italy, the concept of benessere, wellness, Mm -hmm. is more related to massages or soaking in specific like liquids Mm -hmm. it's often something that you find at your gym where you Mm -hmm. go not really to work out but to kind of you know move your body a little bit but not sweat interesting so yeah like when i moved to italy i really had to get accustomed to the fact that gyms weren't going to offer a huge range of different classes and you might have like some weights and a very outdated treadmill at, at your disposal but otherwise the sort of fitness and and wellness concept was completely absent. Um, and I don't think it's changed radically in the past 16 years. Benessere is still like that thing that you do when you get like a massage with some sort of, I don't know, hot sand or s- some specific scented oil. It's not a really evolved idea. Interesting. And so do you sort of approach your own wellness from more of an American mentality or an Italian mentality at this point? Without do you go for a, a run every day? Like, what do you, what do you do? I mean, do ladies yeah. there go for runs? No. no, no. I mean, there definitely are women. Do they do stretching? Yoga? Mm, yoga is not a, a thing. huge thing. Not a thing. I mean, there are some very important yoga places. Like there's a okay. very important one in Rome an Ashtanga place that's world mm-hmm. famous, but sure. it has, you know, dozens of people okay. who visit and not hundreds right and the origin of it is not in rome <laughs> exactly exactly it's, you know it's this place and we have this outpost in totally rome. Yeah. um i do i do belong to a gym mm-hmm. um and it's open from like 9 a.m until 8 30 p.m so okay. that sort of limits the hours that working people can go so it's mm-hmm. pretty it's pretty dead and i get access to all the machines and everything i want without waiting it's okay great. <laughs> i run which is not the norm and i train for marathons pretty frequently and oh wow when that's I, so kick-ass it's destroying my body but i'm loving it at the same time yeah. <laughs> rapidly deteriorating but the yeah when you like line up for the marathon in rome you look around and the vast majority of the crowd are men hmm. so i would say cycling and running and that type of fitness in the north of Italy around Milan is way more common than it is in Rome. And Mm. then that sort of diminishes in popularity the further south you go. And would you say that just sort of like fitness in general in in Italy is skewed more towards men instead of women? Like you said, you know, if I'm going to run the marathon, it's I look around and it's all men. For competitive things like Mm -hmm. cycling and running, yes. Um, I would say that my gym's composition is 50-50 mm-hmm. and uh, just the, the sort of intensity with which you work out across the board is minimal. That's so interesting. So if I like owned SoulCycle and I brought SoulCycle to Rome, it would not do well no. is what you're telling me. <laughs> it wouldn't. I'm so sorry to inform SoulCycle that they will not flourish in Italy. SoulCycle Rome is a bad idea. You heard it here first. Like Hard Candy tried to you know, launch in Rome and become a thing. And there's some international brands that have attempted mm-hmm. to enter the market. But there is, is just not a huge demand for those types of fitness things. And why is that? I mean, I know you, you said the focus is on massages and, you know, baths and stuff like that. But like at, at its core, like what is the, the difference? I think that there is certainly a focus on beauty and aesthetics Mm -hmm. in Italy. I think also because people genetically are look fit. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily think about 
uh, their cardiovascular health. Um, yeah. And it's just really not so much of a conversation. I think it will be because childhood obesity has gone up considerably in the past decade. Mm -hmm. So it will eventually become a conversation as those children need fitness in order to maintain healthy bodies. Mm. But for now, why has that changed in Italy? Is it because sources of food Mm -hmm. just sort of like here in the United States? Is it because like kids there now are eating processed food and like what, why, why there? Because I think of Italian women as like eating all the pasta they want and still being slim and trim and you know, these like gorgeous brown haired ladies, you know what I mean? Um, Yes. And certainly that is a reality for some people. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are, you know, in your 40s, 50s um, and older, like you grew up in a culture that would eat pasta, but in small portions, protein in small portions, a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm. And that's because your mother, who was the primary food giver, prepared that food for you. Right. And now women, especially in cities and most Italians live in cities, have to work in order to survive in Mm -hmm. very expensive places. So they cut corners when it comes to food preparation, and one can understand why. Um, So a lot of the supermarkets, which are more popular than ever, are, you know, full of certainly processed things, Mm -hmm. lots of snacks with a lot of sugar in them. And the financial crisis also changed how people can purchase food, how much of it they can purchase. So discount spots that are selling huge quantities of like chips and um, you know, already prepared meals that you sort of pop in the microwave or dump in a pan and reheat mm-hmm. are more popular than ever. So certainly the romantic vision of Italian dining mm-hmm. was alive of very course. much so, um, you know, two decades ago, but has really, uh, has really shifted considerably for, you know, the reasons that I just stated. That's really interesting. So I'd love to talk a little bit more sort of about Italian food. Cause I think, you know, I'm an American and I've been to Italy, but I still think about Italian as like, Oh, like it's just like all pasta and like all this delicious stuff. So talk to me a little bit about Italian cuisine. Cause obviously you're the expert and sort of like, what are some of your favorite aspects to Italian cuisine? What do you really like to make? Um, we talked about beans before. I'd love to hear more about sort of how you nourish your body with this cuisine and do you eat Italian every day do you ever go out for like hey I'm in Roma and I'm getting sushi tonight does that happen oh yeah I love food so much and I love spice and seasoning yeah and while I'm really into Roman cuisine obviously Mm -hmm. it's a very like rendered pork fat and um salt rich cuisine so I just can't can't eat eat it it every day every day (laughs) sure I would love to but you know I'm aging, so I can't. Um, the yeah, like the um, variety of food is pretty minimal in mm-hmm. Rome. So I've got my few spots, right? But I would say pasta eaten in large quantities is a thing at restaurants, and most people don't go out to eat all the time. Mm. When they do, they go hard, and they're going to have <laughs> their you know half a pound of pasta, mm-hmm. which is preceded by some salami and cheese, and followed by uh, followed with a protein um, and a rich dessert. But I, at home, I eat like a Roman. Um, I eat a lot of soups. Lots of vegetable-rich soups, legumes and stuff in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Tons and tons of simmered vegetables in the summer. Lots of fresh fruit. And I do eat pasta at home occasionally, but I tend to you know, eat a single portion rather than the double portion that you'd be served at a restaurant or trattoria. Mm-hmm. And I live in a beautiful residential neighborhood called Monteverde Vecchio. There are two produce markets, outdoor markets. I you know hit one or the other depending on you know, what I'm looking to buy. Cause I, I have my favorite stalls at each. Sure. Um, and you know, on Fridays in the Catholic tradition, like the fish stalls are brimming with, uh, all sorts of catch. So mm-hmm. 
I'll make like really quick anchovy dishes. Uh, I love to make octopus stew or just, you know, roast some fish. And it's awesome there because when you go to the fishmonger, you pick out the fish you want. You Mm -hmm. can touch it and see how fresh it is and look into its eyes um, to see the clarity, to prove the the freshness. And then they like prepare it for you. You come back, you go shop for some other stuff, come back and it's all ready. And then your fillets are ready. It's great. That's so amazing. God, I wish it was still that way here. So most of the produce you get is local or like hyper local organic to a certain degree. It depends on the market. Some Mm -hmm. of the market stalls actually are run by farms. That's not the norm in Italy and Mm -hmm. hasn't been for over a century. Mm -hmm. Like long story short, the government wanted to generate more jobs. They elongated the supply chain vendor, like farmers would have to sell to a central wholesale. Mm -hmm. So I've got a couple of my favorite produce stalls in the market down the street. The farmers are only there a couple days a week. So I usually time uh, my visits to coincide with their arrival. Um, But organic, well, biologico, which is the Italian word for organic, is a certified, you know, brand idea. Mm -hmm. It's defined by the government and controlled by the government. A lot of the farmers don't want to certify, Mm -hmm. even though they would qualify Mm -hmm. because it costs them more money. Okay. And they already have such a low margin. So you could just have a conversation. You're like, yes. Yeah, we totally, we still have the benefit of being able to go to the farmer and say like, Oh, how did you grow this? Use any pesticides, herbicides. And then, Hey, like I'd love to visit the farm. You can go see for yourself. And a lot of the produce is coming from, (laughs) you know, 10 miles from my house. So it's super local and super fresh. It's amazing. Um, some of the best produce, I mean, fruits, vegetables I've ever had in my whole life I've had in Italy. A tomato tastes like a tomato there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go to Italy and you understand what food is actually supposed to taste like. Um, it's just such a remarkable difference, you know, in the quality um, versus living here. And I live in New York City and I feel like I have access to really great food and amazing restaurants. But still, I, I think one of the best meals of my entire life, I was in the port of Naples and, you know, they have those like funky little restaurants literally in the um, parking lot mm-hmm. there and I had one of the best meals of my life at you know like an eight chair restaurant um, in the parking lot at the Port of Naples I love it just the craziest pasta ever you know I was like amazing holy shit this can never be reproduced I would literally have to go back just to find that little restaurant so to great. eat there again you know and like it was like we were there with like the locals like from Naples just hanging out in a parking lot it was great it was one of the best adventures of my entire life and some of the best food I've ever had um, so you travel from Rome to Los Angeles frequently. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a good flyer, but I'm not like a good post flyer. I get really puffy. I want to eat all the foods. I'm exhausted. I, you know, I grew up in California and so I come to California, you know, primarily to visit my family and to work in Los Angeles sometimes. And I still go to bed here at like 6 30 PM every night. Cause I have a really hard time getting off East coast time at this point. So tell me a little bit about how you manage that. Cause a 13 hour flight plus what's the time difference? Is it nine, nine hours. hours? Yeah. Nine hours. How do you deal with that? Because consistently you're just on a, a schedule where you're between West Coast time and Roman time constantly if you're here twice a month. Yeah, I am really good flying West and I'm terrible flying East. Hmm. I can't sleep on planes. I do my best and I'm always jet lagged when I land in Rome, sometimes for a week, which is not ideal, and especially you when your brain around. needs to work. Yeah. yeah, but then you have to turn around and come back here again a couple days later, I assume. It's traumatic. <laughs> But, you know, I do, I do my best to like wear an eye mask when I'm flying Mm -hmm. and not 
book any anything that needs synaptic functioning right the day that i land and just like try to hydrate as much as possible and i always pack my own food for flights i, I think was, that makes a difference i was gonna ask you specifically about the food do you ever eat airplane food only in a pinch mm. so when i fly i fly to istanbul a lot and i fly turkish airlines and mm-hmm. the food is actually like pretty passable and sure. if you get a low sodium meal it's yeah, like I, all right i can do this yeah but um but yeah, generally I pack my own food and my own fruit, mm-hmm. especially lots of like nuts and things Yeah, because the airplane food is, it feels toxic when you like just look at it, much less eat it. So I try to avoid it. Do you know about airplane food? Do you know secrets of airplane food that you want to share with us? Uh, I mean, I really <laughs> want to do a lot of investigation into like probably the two companies that are in control of all the food on airplanes. Two companies? It's, it, there has to be some sort of monopoly because it's all so bad in the exact same awful way. I know. They, there must be something behind well, it. Well, I know that because of the higher elevation, they have to put way more salt in it so that it tastes like anything, um, which is tragic for your body <laughs> and probably why I get so bloated because I do eat the airplane food. I mean, like I haven't been doing that as much lately. I'll bring a sweet green salad onto the plane so i'll have like a plain salad type of thing and today you know i just brought like nuts and fruit with me and i survived um it was an early morning flight but yeah i mean like in a pinch i will eat that airplane food and you feel tragic for days afterwards it is actually remarkable but i don't know apart from just the high salt content what it is i mean i also think it's just the quality of the food itself it's all just fake frozen food right yeah I mean, it's like the worst available ravioli or chicken parts that have been formed into something oh. that approximates the shape of a breast. It's oh. so gross. Katie, that's gross. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've really thought about this. Apparently. What else do you think about it? Um, that you've, they've got a captive audience. People choose their airline based on their like loyalty points and stuff. So yeah. they really don't invest much in the food or beverage. Oh my God. Will Although, you do some investigative reporting on airplane food for the New York times? Well, I would say shout out to Turkish airlines. Yeah. Uh, pretty good stuff. They have a chef with a toke on and everything on wow. most flights on board. Yeah. I mean, it's a cultural thing too. Like Turkish people are mm-hmm. justifiably very proud of their cuisine and yeah. they want to showcase it to a growing audience. So yeah. Interesting. You know, I've also had some decent food on some of the Asian airlines, like on Singapore air and in that part of the world, you can sort of get some okay food. Um, but yeah, in general, like (laughs) you do not want to be eating what they serve you on United. (laughs) Sweet green. If you're listening, please open in the Rome airport. Honestly, I'm actually friends with some of the sweet green founders and, um, I've had conversations with them about like, please put a fucking salad place at Newark. Yeah. (laughs) Please, please. Everyone would eat an airport salad then. Totally. You know what I mean? Um, I love that. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about your cookbook and sort of what goes in to a masterpiece like this, because this book, I can't wait to go through it more is absolutely stunning. And how many recipes are in this? There are 85 recipes. Wow. (gasps) You wrote me a note in Italian. Yeah. Ti aspetto in Italian. What does that mean? Come hang out in Italy. Oh my God, I will. I'll be there in a few weeks. Meet us in Sicily. Oh my God, I wish. Oh, this is so beautiful. Okay, so 80, 80 plus dishes? Yeah, 85 recipes. Wow. Um, this book is about a huge area, the entire lower peninsula. So I just had to sort okay. of reflect on what I thought would be 85 recipes that would showcase such a huge region. Is that, that the bottom of the boot? Exactly, from Naples all the way south. Okay, got it. And it's a place that a lot of Italian Americans come from, but don't mm-hmm. know well. So sure. I wanted to have dishes that people might connect with mm-hmm. based on the ingredients, um, but would be new to them. Yeah. Uh, and 
once all the recipes were developed and written, I went with my photographer, Ed Anderson, and we drove around Lecce and Naples and through the mountains and ran into like lots of animal traffic jams and tons of goats and sheep everywhere. I see the goats. I just passed by the goats. <laughs> a photo, a beautiful photo of goats. Yeah. I feel like I could use this book as a travel guide in and of itself. That's the other thing that I had in mind. Yeah. I wanted people to read, look at the photos and then say, I want to go to the place that's you know talked about in this recipe, where they make this, where yeah. Katie discovered this dish. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is so exciting. And I mean, how, how much discovery really did go into it? Are you eating in all of the tiny holes in the wall place, hole in the wall places and then being like, okay, I want to recreate something like this. I want to learn about this ingredient more. Tell me sort of about your, your process or your discovery process. Well, I've been visiting um, Campania and Puglia and the other regions of the South yeah. for 16 years. And whether it was to report on a story or on holiday, I was always encountering really interesting food being made. Yeah. Um, not always in restaurants, sometimes mm -hmm. in homes. And I just essentially built a huge contact list uh, and visited places again when I wanted to develop recipes based on the things mm -hmm. that I encountered. And people are, as you can imagine, incredibly excited to share their recipes with you. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Unlike my Rome cookbook, no one lied about what was in the dish that I was asking about. <laughs> Romans are very protective of their recipes. Southerners less so. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was also about making sure that people could actually cook these things, mm -hmm. so that they weren't too complex, didn't require crazy expensive ingredients. Um, and so far it's been getting really wonderful reception. So I'm super happy. That's so great there. I mean, there's a certain amount of bravery involved that goes into traveling and making friends with strangers and saying, Hey, can I learn about this from you? Can you help me out? Like that process for you? Are, are you, have you always been somebody who's really open and sort of like good at connecting with people or was that in and of itself sort of like a challenge for you? And I'm something super that you kind of like, oh, you I'm are super, super nosy. <laughs> I just want to know stuff and I'm not afraid to ask. Yeah. Uh, and people are super, super willing to gossip and like chit chat. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't encounter any, really anyone who didn't have more to share than I expected, mm. which was amazing. And when you go to Sicily, I encourage you to do the same. And not everyone's going to be able to speak English, but right. many people will. And I think you'll be surprised at some of the some of the stuff you find out. That's really encouraging. But what's my in? Uh, all you have to say is like, buongiorno. Buongiorno. Come fai questo piatto? Come fai questo piatto? Excellent. You got it. How do you make this dish? Okay. I'm going to have to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I think and then I they'll, do it. Instead of telling you, they'll be like, come on, come to the kitchen. <gasps> and they'll show you. Stop it. Dead serious. It oh happens God, all the time. I love my God. Okay. I need to email you after this and <laughs> you can tell me how I do this again. Sure <laughs> I would love that. Um, okay. This has been great. I think to wrap up the episode, I always am really curious about people's wellness routines. We talked about your secret wellness thing, but just day to day, how do you take care of yourself? What can you not live without? I can't live without exercise. I go to the gym, I run and I ride a bike. That's how I get around mm. Rome. Um, one of the three cyclists in town. Pretty exciting. Um, and that's really important to me. And I'm not an early bird. So I go sometimes for a really late night run, just alone, clear my head. It's great. And I also garden. Got it. I love that. So you exercise for cl clarity and peace of mind. Yeah. And just like overall sanity. Yeah. Rome's a busy place. No one's running at night or during the day for that matter. Yeah. But it's really great to be out there and feel like you've got the city to yourself. I love that. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, where can people find you on Instagram or on the internet? 
I am at Katie Parla everywhere. 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 Okay, cool. Let's give Katie Parla a follow. And her book again is Food of the Italian South. Thanks so much. Grazie. <laughs>